for being here. We are in the middle of WDET's big fundraiser. It's going to end on Sunday. And when we reach the goal of $281,000, we'll stop. We'll stop asking you for money. Uh, We will need to do some traditional fundraising starting Monday if you don't help us reach that goal. So it's up to you. If WDET is a regular part of your life, if Detroit Today is one of the shows you listen to, you listen to Morning Edition, you listen to our new wonderful midday show with culture and music and arts, or you love all things considered, help us out. Support these programs with your donation. Go to WDET.org and renew your support or give us money for the first time. Uh, We are back in our live studios uh, today for the first time in several weeks. We had a a little bit of a not natural disaster, but uh, a little bit of a disaster with the studio that caused us to have to reconstruct lots of it. So I have been broadcasting from our engineering booth for many weeks. You probably didn't even realize that because it sounds the same. Uh, But today we're back in the live studio. But our phones are not quite back up yet the way they normally are. And so for you to participate in the program the way we love for you to here at uh, Detroit Today, uh, this week you're going to have to use the internet. Go to Facebook, uh, the WDET Facebook page, and put uh, comments on there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag us at Detroit Today in order to participate in the conversation. And what we'll do is we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, it's it's uh, next week we will be back up with the phones and you will be back with us live uh, during the show every day but this week uh, you'll have to do it on the internet. I want to keep talking about cities and the state uh, particularly here uh, in the metro area. Uh, almost two-thirds of all local government leaders in Michigan say the state system for funding cities, towns, and counties is broken. And that number is not going down. It's going up. That's according to a new survey from the University of Michigan Center for Local, State, and Urban Policy, also known as Close Up. Local leaders say one of the biggest problems is that they can't make up for the revenue they lost when property values tanked during the housing crisis. That's because Michigan's constitution caps the amount of new revenue a city can bring in every year. The Headley Amendment uh, and Proposal A, uh, two sort of antiquated provisions of our Constitution at this point, long time ago we changed the Constitution to to try to prevent uh, sort of of out-of-control growth of people's tax bills. It's It's one of the things that we have had to live with for the last 20 years, and for the city of Ferndale, it created a really serious situation for that community's library. Joining me now to talk about uh, the issue in Ferndale and the issue of cities more generally are Kevin Deegan Krause. He uh, helped coordinate a library millage campaign in Ferndale. Uh, he formerly served on the Ferndale Library Board. And Tom Avaco is here. He's the administrator for the Center for Local, State, and Urban Policy at the University of Michigan. Kevin and Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Morning. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, let's start by talking about uh, the millage, the library millage in uh, Ferndale. Uh, it was on the ballot this August, uh, and there was some real doubt about uh, whether it was going to pass, of course. But uh, again, this, this context in the looming in the background about how we fund the services that matter for us in cities like Ferndale and something like a library, which... Uh, because the city can't recapture 
so much of the tax revenue it, le- it lost, uh, libraries end up being things that we say, wow, maybe we won't be able to have that anymore. That's absolutely right. And just a little bit of context. Uh, in uh, the 2000s, Ferndale was uh, funded, its library was funded at an extremely low level. It was funded through the city. Uh, and uh, due to a certain uh, decision by the city to, to put the library on an independent status, uh, the library board moved to ask voters for more. So we doubled from one to two mil in a, in a millage campaign in 2007. And that passed by two-thirds of the vote, a little bit more. Uh, people were pretty eager to see a library, which had been antiquated and, and, and out of date, move into the 21st century. Yeah. But uh, with the 2008 real estate crash, uh, the library lost a lot of its revenue, about a third of its revenue, uh, which made it very difficult for it to sustain its services uh, and still pay for the new building, the, the pay, pay back the bond issue, and to, to keep staffing levels the way they were and so on. So they ended up uh, abandoning plans to think about Sunday opening, to close on Fridays, uh, which they did some research and found was the day that people least attended the library, although not by much. Any day is a significant day. Uh, and so really the library was facing a, a lot of difficulties, was starting to eat into its fund balance, the amount it had saved for a rainy day. Uh, and so finally, a uh, group of the library board and group of citizens got together to say that we need to, to restore things. And actually, they put in some plans to not only restore, but to improve above and beyond. So uh, they actually proposed an increase from about two mills to about 3.5. That's not nearly as big as it sounds, actually, because the mills, the amount of money that actually 1% or one-tenth of 1% of your, your household uh, house value gets actually became smaller and smaller. Uh, as property tax levels declined. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. So the, uh, they proposed uh, an amount that would bring, bring them back to where they were, uh, and then they proposed a series of very clear uh, improvements, uh, both in terms of restoring Friday hours, uh, Sunday hours, and then a variety of other changes in, in what materials would be available and uh, library outreach to schools and so on that would uh, include that extra amount. Yeah, and... Uh, we should sort of back up a little and help listeners understand what what happens uh, when a city loses as much taxable value uh, in properties as as happened in the late uh, part of the last decade. Uh, in Michigan, you know, you can go down as quickly as things are going bad. You can't go back up uh, even at the rate that things might recover. That's exactly right. And that's one of the one of the biggest problems. So uh, it, it really is like a, a vice that, that only squeezes in one direction. So uh, when tax revenues drop, uh, the amount that library cities receive drops uh, proportional to that amount, almost proportional to that amount. But there is uh, in um, Michigan's constitution, as you mentioned, uh, a provision that says that uh, revenue growth uh, on existing properties, which means your existing tax bill, can only rise as fast as inflation. So when it drops to levels that we saw after 2009, if you stay in your house, it'll come back up, but it'll only come back up at the, at the rate of inflation. So it can drop, as you said, as fast as the, as the market goes down, but it only goes back up at inflation. And by only going back up at the rate of inflation, what that means is you can't improve anything because everything else is rising at that same, at that same level. Yeah. And so- basic services that you might have had when things were good become debatable about whether you can generate enough revenue to keep them going. Uh, And it's not just libraries. I mean, we were seeing this with police and fire and all kinds of other things in cities across the state. That's exactly right. And squeezing, getting more efficient, getting better at what you do can do some of that, but it can only go so far. And in, in every organization that I've seen, schools, libraries, the city, 
they they hit that mark in about 2010, 2011. They really squeezed all the all the fat out, uh, and after that, it's really cut into bone. Yeah, uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Kevin Deegan Kraus. Uh, he helped coordinate a library millage campaign in Ferndale. He was formerly a member of the Ferndale Library Board. Also, Tom Avaco. He's the administrator for the Center for Local, State, and Urban Policy at the University of Michigan, better known as Close Up. Uh, we're talking about cities and the state of Michigan, the relationship between uh, those two entities and how cities can survive or how are they surviving uh, after the major reset of the housing crisis. Uh, limitations in our state constitution prevent cities from recapturing uh, tax revenue at the rate that they lost it, uh, even when values go up uh, in their city. And so we're starting to see some really tough decisions have to be made. Uh, can you maintain a library in a place like the city of Ferndale? Can you maintain police presence or fire protection uh, at the levels that people expect in other communities? Uh, we are in our live studio this week, but without our phones. So if you want to participate in the conversation, you got to go to Facebook uh, on the WDET page there, or go to Twitter uh, and hashtag us at Detroit Today uh, and and participate in the conversation. We'll be back on the phones next week. Uh, Tom Avaco, in the open, I read uh, a little bit about what your uh, survey shows, but uh, we didn't get into the numbers. The numbers there are really, really stunning. 64% of local government leaders say Michigan's system of funding local government is broken. Uh, and that's increased from 58% when you first asked that question just four years ago. So 6%, uh, six percentage points uh, higher in six years, in four years. Yeah, uh, we were pretty shocked to see some of these, uh, some of these results. We track uh, every spring uh, local fiscal health, ask local leaders whether their jurisdictions are better able or less able to meet their fiscal needs compared to the previous year. Uh-huh. And what we saw, we started the survey in 2009. What we saw was uh, things were really bad in 2009. They got even worse in 2010 in the immediate aftermath of the Great Recession. But beginning in 2011, uh, we saw a very gradual kind of uptick in fiscal health. And I think this is, uh, as Kevin was saying, this was the time when local governments were extremely active in uh, in kind of right-sizing themselves to deal with their reduced revenues. Uh, and so after 2011, we've been tracking each year uh, a trend of very gradual improvements in fiscal health until this year. In 2016, that reversed. So last year, 38% of local leaders said that they had improving fiscal health. This year, that dropped to 31%. Uh, so that is pr- not a huge change in numbers, uh, but it's a, a, a change in what had been a five-year trend of improvements. And the most worrisome thing is this happens when our economy is still improving. Right. And uh, I mean, it's sort of the irony, right, is that the economy is getting better. It's the picture for local governments. If you ask anybody, city council people, mayors, uh, county execs, it's just not it's not helping them. Yeah, exactly. And we talked to about 75 percent of these people across the state. So we have uh, a broad cross section of Michigan local governments. And it doesn't matter if they're from a big jurisdiction or a small one. It doesn't matter if they're Republicans or Democrats. It doesn't matter if they're in Southeast Michigan or the UP. Majorities of all kinds of local leaders think that Michigan's system of funding local government is broken. Yeah, and, and one of the things that always strikes me about this conversation is, like I said, if you talk to uh, city council people or mayors, 
there's no question in their minds that that it's the system of funding them that's that's uh, the problem and that we need change. But if you go to Lansing uh, and talk to people mm-hmm. there, uh, for the most part, you just get this very um, well. I mean, it's just a sort of cold stare. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of interest in talking about this. I've had this conversation with the governor several times since he was elected in 2010, and his argument always has been. Well, we're doing things for cities. We're helping with uh, refinancing of long-term debt, uh, 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 legacy issues. We're spending money in places like Detroit for bankruptcy, which you know is a major reorganization and uh, set the city in a different financial direction. Uh, but there isn't a there isn't an urgency on his part, or even a recognition. I think that there is something fundamentally wrong with with what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I think the state has done some things to help. Uh, I think the issue is uh, what they've done is uh, so marginal that it's not really, um, you know, pushing the, uh, uh, the ball forward. So they did start in, uh, increasing revenue sharing payments to local governments a number of years ago, but just at the smallest margins. Uh, there are, and it's nowhere near where it was before things got bad. I mean, they've been yeah. reducing revenue sharing for 15 or 16 years. Yes. Uh, the, the the few years that they've put it back, it's you know it's it's uh, sort of metaphorical pennies. Yeah, a drop in the bucket. So over that time period, since about two th- uh, the year two thousand or, or two thousand one, uh, the state has cut uh, statutory revenue sharing to local governments by about seven and a half billion dollars. Uh, the increases over the last few years have been you know in the millions, scores of millions, and so on. Uh, so it's a drop in the bucket in terms of uh, turning it around. Uh, I think. Um, you know, there. So the governor or others in Lansing may think uh, that local government is is too big, or you know has uh, has the resources that they need. But there are some other indicators that I think go against that. Um, Michigan is not a high tax state anymore. Uh, you know, a couple of decades ago we may have been, but we're not. We're in the middle of the pack, if not below the national average for state and local taxes. Yeah. And we have the smallest number of uh, state and local employees per capita in the nation. So I think it's hard to argue that um, state and local government in Michigan is big anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guests are Kevin Deegan Krause. Uh, he helped coordinate the Library Millage campaign in Ferndale. He was also a member of the Ferndale Library Board. Uh, we should also mention that Kevin is a political science professor at Wayne State University. Uh, I've also got Tom Avaco here. He's the administrator uh, for the Center for Local, State, and Urban Policy at the University of Michigan. Uh, we're talking about cities and states, how cities survive in a state like Michigan, which has disinvested strongly in the idea of local governments. Uh, there's no other way to put it. $7 billion in reductions to revenue sharing over a long period of time. Maybe a couple hundred million going back to cities uh, in the last few years. Uh, how do cities survive? How do they maintain services? How do they keep libraries open? How do they keep police on the streets and firemen uh, in their houses waiting to help uh, fight fires? Uh, if you want to join the conversation this week, we don't have phones. So you need to go to the Facebook page, the WDET Facebook page, and put your comments there. Or go on to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, we'll try to work your comments into the conversation, and we'll be back on our phones next week. Uh, Tom, one of the things we don't talk about enough when we talk about this is what the alternatives are look like, uh, what we could do 
short of repealing the Headley Amendment or Proposal A, uh, that would make things easier for cities. Now, I, I should also say up front, I'm in total favor of reconsideration of both of those amendments. If you think about it, Headley was passed in the, the 1980s. Uh, Proposal A was passed in 1994. Uh, in government terms, that, that's eons ago. I mean, the idea that uh, that government should work the same way for that long a period of time is a little strange notion itself. But of course, there's uh, real political resistance to the idea of reconsidering those things. And you have this sort of, uh, I would say, virulent strain of anti-tax uh, sort of political rhetoric coming out of Lansing. You were just talking about how uh, uh, Michigan is no longer a high-tax state, that if you look and compare, people here have a pretty decent uh, tax level, but we have deteriorating services. We should be able to make the case for a different kind of tax structure. But, uh, of course, uh, the, the Republican Party in particular pushes back on that very hard uh, and says, you know, uh, no, we don't need new taxes. So if you're, you know, if you're looking at things in that kind of context, you can't go back and reconsider Headley or Prop A. It's really hard to get new taxes through. What, what are some of the things that you could do to help cities? Well, uh, you know, I think this is the $64,000 question. Uh, and, you know, there are a range of ways to think about this. Um, before I review some of the questions that we put to local leaders, uh, we put out a report a couple of months ago looking at uh, firefighting services in Michigan. Uh -huh. And we asked local leaders whether they had enough money to provide firefighting services. And in doing that research, uh, uh, we found a document from the Federal Emergency Management uh, Agency, national um, federal government, talking about how small or um, even larger uh, fire departments across the nation can help raise money to run their own operations. And they were, unfortunately, listing up uh, uh, opportunities such as bake sales, uh, car washes, right. uh, T-shirt sales. Uh, you know, think about funding uh, your local fire department with bake sales. Uh, unfortunately, in Michigan, you know, we're at the point where we have to uh, take a pretty wide perspective, I think, on opportunities. But we asked local leaders how they would reform the system. They think it's broken. How would they reform it? Uh, we put uh, 11 different um, reforms to the state system of funding local government in front of them. Three had majority support across the state. Uh, the first is compelling the state to pay for unfunded mandates. This was part of the Headley Amendment. Uh, the state is not supposed to put unfunded mandates on local governments, and they've been doing it since Headley was passed. Yeah. Uh, so the state has been breaking the state constitution, and local leaders want to see that stop. Uh, the second most um, uh, support is to restore full statutory revenue sharing. That's that $7.5 billion in cuts we talked about. And the third is to um, uh, limit or eliminate millage rollbacks in Headley. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be a tough uh, sell in Lansing. Uh, one of the other options that we put in front of local leaders is uh, Lansing giving them more authority to raise uh, money locally. And... Um, uh, what we see there is overall, most leaders don't support uh, that. They don't really want to take that on themselves. They think Lansing has a broken system at the state level and it should be fixed there first. Yeah. But if they were given local authority to raise more, uh, two-thirds would do at least something. And if you look at other states, th this, is, this is not all that extraordinary, right? Uh, in some states, cities are allowed to levy sales taxes uh, yes. of their own and, and keep that money and spend it uh, themselves. Uh, certainly, th there are income taxes in, in cities in other states. We have the ability for cities of a certain size here to levy income taxes up to a certain point, but it's, it's pretty small. Um, uh, 
uh, Kevin Deegan Kraus, I wonder, I mean, you, you know, in Ferndale, you guys were asking people to raise their own taxes or at least maintain uh, taxes that they were already uh, spending to, in order to, to, to keep the library open. Uh, they said yes. Yeah. Uh, talk about the sales pitch, though, and how hard that might have been. Absolutely. And this is actually the sixth time uh, that uh, various groups have gone to voters in the last seven, eight years. Um, and uh, in each case, the voters have said yes. I think part of it is the nature of Ferndale. Uh, it's a, a community of people who I think value high services and are willing to pay their taxes for it. But I think it's also the way that we went uh, ahead and did it. Uh, in a variety of these uh, millage campaigns, what we really did was to go out door to door. We, we did a good job figuring out who was going to vote, which isn't always a lot of people in certain <laughs> election campaigns. Yeah. But even in the big ones, uh, we figured out who's going to vote. We went to them. Uh, we went to their doors. We, we provided them with the materials. And we really made the case in a very careful way. And what I've seen... Uh, from not only our community, but from a variety of other communities, is that school districts, libraries, cities uh, have become extremely adept at making very concrete plans. So they're not going to voters to say, hey, we need more money. They go to voters and say, we need more money for this, this, and this. And the consequences of not getting that money are this, this, and this. And my experience has been, and I think this isn't unique to Ferndale voters, that when you talk to people individually, when you make the case individually, uh, they're willing to uh, they're willing to accept it. It's interesting that in in Tom's report, in Close-Up's report, uh, a lot of local officials think that their voters would prefer to cut taxes rather than uh, to cut ser- to cut services rather than to, to raise taxes. Yeah. But our experience has been, and I think we were talking before the show, the experience of most local communities has been that when you go to voters with those specific cases. Voters are willing, for the most part, to, to go along. I think maybe the elected officials and, and those around them are, are underestimating people's willingness to, to pay for the services that they really want in a community. Yeah, if you go and make the case and explain what the money will be spent on, more people are open to the idea. That's right. We had, we had a big library increase that passed by uh, over 60 to 40 margin and a schools increase that passed uh, by nearly two to, three to one uh, just because we made those cases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go to uh, some of the comments here. We've got, we were actually getting Facebook comments. The listeners are, are making the switch with us from the phones to the internet pretty well. Uh, Ryan on Facebook says, why are we not discussing merging municipalities to save administrative costs? This is something that comes up a lot and it often comes up uh, in pushback to the idea of raising taxes. If I say to someone, hey, uh, you know, cities are, are, having a really hard time, we ought to revisit the tax structure that supports them. They say, well, we have too many cities. Uh, and I actually have been someone who's written a, a lot about how uh, the, the sort of proliferation of local government here in Michigan is another thing that needs to be revisited. Uh, is this an either or, though? Like, uh, should we be talking about merger before we talk about new tax bases? Or, or is that something that should be thrown into the pot altogether? Well, so at Close Up, uh, we have looked at uh, questions of consolidation uh, at the service level and also at the full government level. So, you know, so uh, eliminating reduce, eliminate one yeah. government, make us make a bigger government out of two. And uh, there have been quite a few studies of this across the nation. And uh, to be honest, most of these studies have found that having fewer, larger governments rather than more smaller governments uh, is unlikely to save money uh, overall. Uh, different types of services have different economies of scale. And so it may make sense to have a regional uh, service for uh, 
um, one particular type of service, but uh, a smaller uh, service uh, in, in a different case. Yeah. So, uh, you know, th- this kind of gut reaction to we have too many local governments in Michigan. Uh, I always go back to this case that uh, we're no longer uh, a, a big tax state. We're right in the middle or below it. And we have the fewest number of public sector employees in the nation. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, just reducing the number of governments, I, I don't know what's uh, that's going to do. There, there can be um, positive outcomes, I think, in terms of some types of services. Uh, you know, a river uh, doesn't follow political boundaries; right. it crosses uh, uh, boundaries. And so, you may have better, you know, environmental policy outcomes by having uh, merged governments. Uh, but if the goal is to save money, I don't think that is the the solution statewide. At least, there can be individual cases where I think it makes sense. But yeah. statewide, I think it's uh, it's chasing. So, if you say the word merger. A lot of times local governments, I say to someone in local government, I mean, you get this sort of deer in the headlights kind of reaction. Uh, uh, Kevin, is merger of some services in Ferndale some of the things that maybe will make uh, governance easier and service delivery? I think absolutely. In my day job, I actually study the European Union and local governments are a little bit like uh, like the European Union. (laughs) Nobody's going to abolish France. But what they will do (laughs) uh, is to create systems that share services across the the multiple parts of of the European region. I think what we're seeing here is no one wants to abolish Ferndale or Pleasant Ridge or any of the the communities around, especially the members of those local residents themselves who fear that they're going to lose some local autonomy. So what we've seen in the libraries, in the schools, uh, in the cities has been the cities themselves deciding where those economies of scale are and sharing across. For example, when you go to the Ferndale Library, or really when you go to almost any library in Oakland County, uh, you will actually log on to something called the Library Network. It's a county-wide library network that that coordinates all of the card catalogs. So that if your library doesn't have that book, then and someone else does, you get it probably two, two three days. It's an extraordinarily And you can fish- borrow it from uh, another municipality. From your own, yeah, from any other municipality and anywhere else. We've got, uh, you know, Michigan's got uh, a broader uh, Michigan library system. So there are places where organizations share services. In the schools where I, I, I work also, uh, we see sharing of transportation services, of accounting services, of heating and cooling specialists, all sorts of little things where you don't need – you know, each district doesn't need just needs needs half of a person or a third of a person. So you share across. That gets complicated, but it actually finds those areas where the economies are are more efficient, rather than mandating it by a, what would be a really unpopular merger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guests are Kevin Deegan Kraus. Uh, he helped coordinate the library millage in Ferndale, uh, and Tom Avaco is the administrator of the Center for Local state and urban policy at the University of Michigan. We've got about a minute left. Uh, Tom, uh, how how likely is it that uh, the local government officials you guys have talked to will get this issue sort of uh, subtraction in Lansing? I mean, it seems like they're all united. They all understand what needs to happen. It's Lansing that's the problem. Yeah, I think um, uh, expectations probably are not very high that there's uh, going to be a fix to this. The governor has said it's not on his agenda, but if someone else uh, wants to take the ball that before. and run, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, if someone else wants to take the ball and run with it, he's happy to talk about it. So you know, maybe that'll happen, but we haven't heard anybody picking up the ball and running yeah. with it. Yeah, I mean, you really need a different kind of legislature, and and by that I mean. Uh, not just uh, Republican, Democrat, uh, but but urban. I mean, the the the, the sort of attention to local governments and and cities and things like that is really skewed away 
uh, from those things in the legislature right now. Yeah, and uh, it is the big uh, urban jurisdictions that um, fiscal health is declining faster They're having today. The, the hardest time. Yeah, sure. exactly. And there's more support there to raise revenues locally if they yeah. had the authority. Okay, Kevin Deegan Krause, Tom Avaco, thank you both for thank being you. here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. All right, uh, we can reach our $281,000 fundraising goal right now if everyone listening were to chip in just a little bit. That means you. If you've already donated, thanks very much. But if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? WDET is important to you. Now's the time to show your support. Every dollar matters. Make your gift right now at 800 959 9338 or at WDET.org. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's Public Radio.